Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Tonight on The Readout. We will defend democracy, our best tool to meet the challenges we face around the world. And we're working to show how democracy can deliver in ways that matter to people's lives. President Biden vows to defend democracy abroad and at home, where he warned that Trump and MAGA Republicans are determined to destroy it. Also tonight on National Voter Registration Day, Pennsylvania makes it much easier to register to vote, as a truly stunning number of election deniers are now overseeing the vote in their states. And with the clock ticking towards a possible government shutdown, a new setback today for Kevin McCarthy, who has completely lost control of the Republican caucus, if he ever had it at all. But we begin tonight with the crisis of American democracy on the world stage. Now, if you're in New York, you may have noticed the traffic jams and street closures, the type of gridlock that can only mean the United Nations General Assembly has kicked off in the city. World leaders have arrived, raising the alarm on the world's most pressing issues, war, coup d'etat, the climate crisis, just to name a few. It's one of those days when you realize what leading, what presidenting actually involves and how the role, when done correctly, means calling for unity over crises like Russia and Ukraine. With Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky addressing fellow world leaders in his first in-person visit since the invasion of his country began. It also means the tense navigation of foreign policy, where lives are at stake. Ahead of today's remarks by the Iranian president, Iran and the U.S., longtime antagonists, struck a rare deal. Five Americans detained in Iran are now free and made their emotional return to U.S. soil early this morning. The release was part of a prisoner exchange agreement that will grant Tehran access to oil revenues previously frozen by U.S. sanctions. Leaders, including President Biden, also issued dire warnings about climate change. We see it everywhere. Record-breaking heat waves in the United States and China. Wildfires ravaging North America and Southern Europe. A fifth year of drought in the Horn of Africa. Tragic, tragic flooding in Libya. My heart goes out to the people of Libya that's killed thousands, thousands of people. The U.N. is gathering as the city of Derna in eastern Libya is still counting its dead after devastating floods struck more than a week ago. Experts say the storm was more likely to occur and more intense because of human-caused climate change. The World Health Organization and the U.N. say 4,000 deaths have so far been reported. These are crises that are urgent, hard to resolve, and which impact literally the entire world. And yet, Republicans and MAGA world continue to trivialize them. Climate change? A hoax. Bringing detained Americans home? Slammed by a twice-impeached former president who did nothing to free them during his time in office and whose Iran policy was an abject failure. 
allocating aid to fight Putin. Nah, let's just focus on a bogus plot to impeach Biden. It's all part of their more nefarious plot to dismantle democracy, a crisis that Biden challenged on the world stage. Will we find within ourselves the courage to do what must be done to preserve the planet, to protect human dignity, to provide opportunity for people everywhere, and to defend the tenets of the United Nations? There can only be one answer to that question. We must and we will. These are big presidential priorities, epic, historic, and it helps to have an adult in the room. It is a timely reminder that a president is not someone who entertains you on TV. The threat to our democracy at home remains serious. But as Tom Nichols writes in The Atlantic, Americans are sleepwalking through this national emergency. And that includes Democrats and the media. He says, quote, Democrats and their liberal allies claim to be in full mobilization mode to stop Trump and defang his threat to the constitutional order. But are they? How much more hand-wringing will they do over Biden's age, over whether he's doing enough for climate change or to forgive student loans? How many more times will Trump's opponents in the pro-democracy coalition internalize the right's criticisms about inflation, about spending, about gasoline, and respond to them as if Republicans care one whit about policy? Because, of course, they don't. The modern-day Republican Party has only one principle left— to be reelected by any means necessary so that they hold on to power, which is exactly why President Biden sounded the alarm once again on our biggest crisis yet, saying in a fundraiser last night, quote, in 2024, democracy is on the ballot once again. And let there be no question. Donald Trump and his MAGA Republicans are determined to destroy American democracy. And I will always defend, protect and fight for our democracy. That is why I'm running. Biden has improved America's standing in the world, but Donald Trump is threatening to blow it all up all over again. Joining me now is David Rothkopf, columnist for The Daily Beast and host of the Deep State Radio podcast, and Tara Setmeyer, senior advisor to the Lincoln Project and former Republican communications director. Thank you both for being here. David, I want to read a little bit more of this Tom Nichols uh, piece, which I think was quite good um, today. And he writes the following in The Atlantic. America is in a state of emergency, yet few of its citizens seem to realize it. For example, a single senator, Tommy Tuberville of Atlanta, has been holding up hundreds of military promotions for months, endangering the national security of the United States. The acting chief of naval operations says it will take years for the Navy to recover from the damage. Welcome news, no doubt, in Beijing. Few people outside of America's senior military leadership seem particularly concerned. Um, What do you make of the state of our democracy as it stands on the world stage and Biden's representation and defense of it? Well, I think the world knows that democracy in the United States is in a more fragile state um, than it has been in any of our lifetimes, so that Donald Trump uh, and the people around Donald Trump represent um, that threat, uh, and they could return to power. Having said that, they also know who Joe Biden is. Joe Biden ran about defending democracy. When he speaks in private to Democratic donors, he speaks of defending democracy. When he gets on the world stage, he talks about defending democracy. He takes steps to defend democracy against Trump's friends like Vladimir Putin uh, in Ukraine. Uh, He has 
done everything that you can imagine from an American president who understands the job and understands the stakes in order to protect democracy. And I think the reason he's running again is because he realizes that he and Kamala Harris represent the last best hope of the United States to defeat the Trump forces, to defeat the authoritarian forces in the United States, and to preserve our democracy. And I don't think that's an overstatement. You know, um, Tara, you know, Tom Nichols was, you know, pretty critical of the media for a lot of reasons, which I think has not learned at all how to cover Trump. I think full stop. The media writ large is still covering him the same way they did in 2016 and 2020. Um, but also of Democrats who and look, the issues that Democrats are in complaint of the Biden administration about are important. Student loan debt, uh, you know, relief would, would change millions of American lives. Um, you know, he's doing a lot on climate, but also gave Joe Manchin a lot. Those are legitimate complaints. But I think Tom Nichols' point is that arguing about that and about Biden's age and like nitpicking that right now, when on the other side is Trump and DeSantis and people like Ramaswamy, seems short-sighted. Um, what do you make of that criticism? Uh, my good friend Tom Nichols is 100 percent correct about this. You know, we joke. I joke all the time with my Democratic friends and say, uh, you know, Republicans fall in line. Democrats need to fall in love. That's that's the joke, you know, amongst us in Washington about this. And I just sit back and I go, what are you guys doing? None of these policy positions matter if our democracy falls apart. And I don't think that the case has been made enough comparing and contrasting what that means. I don't think people really truly understand what we're facing here, what the existential threat to our democracy looks like. Democracy is a decision. Democracy does not defend itself. Institutions do not defend themselves. It takes the righteous anger of the American people to stand up and push back against the authoritarian forces that are now coalesced behind one major political party in this country. This next election, President Biden was 100 percent correct. It is about democracy. It's America or Trumpism, period, full stop. I just came back from a conference in Germany, and I can tell you that there were a lot of high-powered folks there, from elected officials to business leaders, who looked at us Americans who were there and said, you guys cannot fail. There is no one else to replace you in America as the beacons of democracy in the world. Europe and the rest of the world cannot survive if American democracy falls. It was a, it was a very sobering experience to hear our European allies plead to us, saying, what are you guys doing there? We need you. Who fills that power vacuum? It sure as hell isn't a pro-democracy country. It's Russia. It's China. It's our enemies who would fill that vacuum if America went under. So for President Biden to step up, which I think he's doing an excellent job of doing, to step up and explain that that's what's on the ballot, I think that the Democrats need to understand this and coalesce around that message and explain to the American people what it means if we lose our democracy. Lincoln Project has put out all week long, we're putting out pro-Biden, pro-democracy messaging to remind people this is what's at stake, this is what he's doing, and this is the choice. And that's what the messaging has to be moving forward. Um, you know, to the point that Tara made about being overseas, um, David, I just came back from Spain and from Ghana. And I can tell you, we had a lot of interesting political conversations in, in Ghana. And when we talk about American democracy here, you know, a lot of people who come and immigrate here, like my parents did, think of the America as sort of the premier democracy. And they get here and find out about the racism, some of the other things. But one of the things that people would say to us, my husband and I in Ghana, is you all talk a lot about democracy, but you couldn't defend your own capital. 
against a bunch of, you know, yahoos who decided to ransack it. You, you know, half your people don't believe your elections are legit. Your democracy is no stronger than ours. And to the point about China and Russia, oh, China and Russia are filling the vacuum right now on the continent where the U.S. is absent without official leave is really not there. It's the it's the Chinese and the Russians that are in there doing development and taking the side of people there when they say we don't want European colonialism anymore. We want them out. We want uh, Europe to stop stealing from us. And so, you know, do we have a, a challenge in terms of like the continent where you have 1.6 billion mainly young people and it's and, it, and they do question whether we're the beacon of democracy because we haven't been historically nor has the west been for them well in the past when we have thought of ourselves as the beacon of democracy surely we've been an imperfect beacon um but nonetheless the world sees us shining more brightly than any other such beacon and right now the world's heart is in its throat because they realize that Literally within a matter of months, just 14 months from now, uh, Donald Trump could win re-election and democracy as the world has known it in the United States would be over. He would fire people from the government who opposed him. He would work with red state governors to ensure that only Republicans ever won again. He would work with the Supreme Court to strip away fundamental rights of people, including the right to vote. Uh, and we would not be able to recover from that. Uh, and they know it. And they see China out there, but they also see the forces of ethno-nationalism, Vladimir Putin, Viktor Orban, the right in Europe, Bolsonaro in Brazil, Bibi Netanyahu in Israel, Modi in India, all of these as forces that do not value democracy. And if we step back, they and the Chinese and the Russians, as you describe it, um, will step in and democracy will begin to recede everywhere we look. So I think in the United States, um, as Tom suggests, as Tara suggests, as you suggest, we've all got to be one issue voters. We've got to set the other stuff aside, because if we're not one issue voters now, we're not going to get another chance. We're not going to get the opportunity to debate other issues. They're going to be imposed upon us by um, MAGA folks like Donald Trump and the people who are funding him, the real people behind the MAGA movement. And I think that's got to be chilling to every American, regardless of their political party. Well, and also there's the ridiculousness of him on the world stage. I think, you know, MAGA people, they adore Donald Trump. They kind of worship him like sort of the golden calf, uh, or as my uh, my uh, auntie says, the golden jackass. <laughs> that is what my aunt says. That is not what I'm saying. But they worship him like he is a god. And here, let me show you how he was treated um, on the world stage last time he did this same speech that Biden is doing today. This was in 2018, Donald Trump. Today, I stand before the United Nations General Assembly to share the extraordinary progress we've made. In less than two years, my administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. America's so true. <laughs> Didn't expect that reaction, but that's okay. Is it, it, Tara, do you think it's necessary 
or can't is even possible for base Republican voters to understand that that is how the rest of the world views their God. You know, I'm not sure that gets through to them. They think of him as some sort of conquering world hero, but they're the only ones who think that. He is a joke around the world, and people are horrified by the thought that American voters would put him back in office. And I don't think they get that. Well, no, here's the thing. They wear it with a badge of valor, because now it's the another uh, attribution to my friend Tom Nichols. It's the death of expertise. It's the death of education. It's the death of 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 people who are, you know, facts and truth. These people now have been conditioned over time to believe that it's the elitists laughing at you. Donald Trump, whether you however you feel about him, I despise him. I think he's an, an embarrassment and a despicable, contemptible human being and represents the worst of us. But there are millions of Americans who see him as their voice. He has said this. I, when they attack me, they're attacking you. He's been a genius at convincing tens of millions of Americans that he's their champion when he despises them, actually. But this is, you know, for people who study cults and and, and mob rule and how you're able to get so many people that are, are functioning out of grievance. There's so much grievance in this country that's not being addressed that Donald Trump is giving a voice to that. And they don't care what the rest of the world thinks. Why do you think he uses the term America first, which is taken from history back when Nazi Germany was rising and Americans were saying, no, 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 we're not getting involved. That's over there. This is recycled stuff. We've seen this before. And so we need to learn from history that this does not end well unless it is put down. It has got to be stopped and repudiated a thousand times over and the earth salted over where it once stood. And yet you have an entire Republican Party from the leadership on down where the rot is so prevalent that they people who know better, like Kevin McCarthy and the rest of them, have bought into it for political expediency. And now it's completely out of control. So the average American looks at the rest of the world and thinks, oh, we don't care if they laugh at us. We're going to defend America first. And we don't care what they think is their elitists. That is a problem because it's much bigger than that. They're, you know, our democracy is not to be laughed at. And that's what people need to understand, because when you lose it, you don't get it back to David's point. History has shown this. Um, well said uh, by both of our great guests, David Rothkopf, Tara Setmeyer. Thank you both very much. Up next on The Readout, democracy in danger here at home, as we've just been talking about. 17 states now have election deniers overseeing elections, intent on using their considerable powers to weaken free and fair elections. How advocates for democracy are fighting back when The Readout continues. I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Today is National Voter Registration Day, an annual reminder to check your voting status and help others register to vote. And frankly, every vote matters because in the fight for democracy, there is no rest for the weary, especially when the former guy wants back in with a scorched earth plan of retribution against civil servants, political enemies and minority groups. If he gets in, it'll be due in part to 23 election deniers holding statewide office in 17 different states. They're already laying the groundwork for undermining the next election. According to a new report from States United Action, a voting nonprofit, nine states have already pulled out of the Electronic Registration Information Center, a partnership that helps make sure voter rolls are accurate. They're stripping election funding, trying to get rid of impartial arbiters of elections and attempting to rig the system for Republican politicians. In the face of election losses, Republicans from Wisconsin to North Carolina and Alabama are leaning aggressively into anti-democratic measures that ensure their hold on power. But while some are undermining free and fair elections, others are standing in the breach. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro announced today that his administration is making it much easier to register to vote. It will now be automatic when people in his state get or renew their driver's licenses. They believe that that could add tens of thousands of new voters to the rolls. And joining me now is Janae Nelson, president and director counsel of the Legal Defense Fund. Thank you for being here, Janae. Good to see you. Let me just really quickly talk about automatic voter registration, because that actually is one of the kind of go to methods for ensuring more people vote because there's no way to voter suppress because it happens at the DMV. What do you make of what uh, Josh Shapiro is doing in Pennsylvania? I think it's an excellent development. It's a very common sense measure in a democracy to make sure that everyone is able to vote and that if they want to opt out of it, they can, but that we have affirmatively brought every voice into the electorate. We have made sure that eligible American citizens are brought onto our voter rolls so that whenever they decide to exercise their right to vote, they can. That is really the birthright of American citizens. And it only makes sense for our government to be doing everything it can to bring people into our electorate. And, and you know, that it, 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 the thing about America and the and the, the system of our elections is it literally depends in which state you live in, whether you have a full free and fair access to the ballot. You have very different access to your right to vote and the right to be represented if you live in Alabama or Mississippi than you do if you live in Vermont or New York um, or California. It's literally a, a situation in this case. I mean, we'll just look at the cases that you all have, your current voting laws um, that just the LDF is challenging. Texas, Georgia, um, even in Washington, D.C., the Michigan Welfare Rights Organization versus Donald Trump and the Republican National Committee. Florida, of course, Florida NAACP versus Lee. Um, there's a Texas case that Delta Sigma Theta Organization is a, a plaintiff in challenging their uh, voting laws. And it does seem that Republicans and the states they control are dead set on making it almost impossible for anyone but their older white rural voters to vote. So I wonder in that case, are we a national democracy or are we just a democracy in like 40 to 50, 40, you know, 20 or so states? We are certainly a democracy that is on its way to decomposing if we don't rein this in immediately, which is why we are bringing these lawsuits, which is why we have been so fervent in sounding the alarm about the attack on voting rights. 
as you pointed out, we've got litigation across the country. We are at trial in Texas challenging SB1, which is a voter suppression law, and it follows on the heels of uh, prior laws in that state and many across the country. And as you point out, where you live should not dictate your access to the ballot and your access in this democracy, which is why it is so important that we pass national voter registration legislation and voting rights legislation like the National Voting Rights Advancement Act and the Freedom to Vote Act. Those are two pieces of legislation, one of which was just reintroduced today, by the way, in the House by Representative Terry Sewell. But these are two critical pieces of legislation that would level the playing field across the country. Every voter would benefit from having laws that dictate how you can get automatically registered, uh, what you need to do in terms of having uniform identification requirements when you show up to vote, ensuring that you're protected when you're waiting in line at, at the polls. There are so many very basic common sense measures that are up to, uh, subject to debate and litigation when they should be embraced by every legislature across the country. And what we're going to wind up with, Joy, is a situation where people who have elected very extremist conservative leaders are going to look at other states, some of them may be bordering those states, and say, hey, why is it that my neighbor across this line is able to access the ballot much more easily than I can? And I'm hoping that people will learn from those examples and really push their legislatures to do the right thing. I mean, the, the thing is, is that um, if we just put a map here of the, the 366 laws of voting restrictions proposed. Twenty nine have been enacted in all of these states. If you just put up the map. It, it's just a red state map. It's the red states. And in Pennsylvania right now, they have an election coming up that could tip their legislature into the Republican uh, camp, which would mean the end of the expansion of voting rights there. I mean, it literally, yes, every voter, whether you're a Republican, Democrat or independent, should have the same access to vote and should want the same access to vote. But literally, if you live in a Republican state, you just get less access. And if you live in a state like, you know, Alabama, they're saying 27 percent of the population, because they're black, have to all be packed into one district. And they refuse to be told no, that you have to give people. So I, I don't know how your vision is the right one. But if Republicans actually don't believe that and they believe that, that non-Republicans shouldn't have access to the ballot, I'm wondering, what do we do about that? Is it just that we just have to keep suing and praying the Supreme Court doesn't destroy the Voting Rights Act altogether? Listen, we we don't need to. Um, we what we need to do is get the court to continue to do the right thing. As you know, we've been litigating in Alabama that very case that you just referred to, Allen versus Milligan, which packs black voters into a single district, even though one in four Alabamians is a black voter. And out of the seven districts, they're only able to elect a candidate of choice in one. We just filed a response to an effort to keep that map in place for yet another election cycle today in the Supreme Court, because Alabama didn't listen to the Supreme Court's decision that was issued just a few months ago in June. We have been continuing to push. And what we need to do is take this out of the hands of politicians and put it in the court and expect that this court will do the right thing and will respect its own authority to enforce its own decisions to make Alabama do the right thing. And the principles at play in the Alabama litigation are equally applicable in these challenges to voter suppression laws 
in these challenges to other racial gerrymanders across the country. And it is time that we hold our democratic institutions to account or we will not have a democracy at all. I wonder what's your trust level in the Supreme Court? We just had some reporting yesterday uh, that there's a Leonard Leo cabal uh, that is pushing uh, that state to defy the court because they believe Brett Kavanaugh is in the tank and that he will overturn the Voting Rights Act. And there's good reason to believe that they are right. The six members of the court want conservative Republican outcomes. And so if they want conservative Republican outcomes, why should we trust the Supreme Court at all? Well, I think we have to assume that the Supreme Court, if it wants to be an institution that has any longevity, that continues to have currency in this country, that it will want to preserve its own authority. And many people are surprised that we won in the Supreme Court as we did in June. And I firmly believe, and I felt this way when we brought the case, that these facts are so strong. The law is so clearly on our side that the court really had no other option unless it wanted to reveal itself to be completely co-opted to rule in our favor. And I expect that the court will be consistent, that it will ensure that it does not reward states like Alabama that are that are obstinate, that are uh, trying to subvert the rule of law with any benefit. They should get no hearing before the Supreme Court at this point. Yeah. They should be forced to get a fair map. And the Supreme Court should want to preserve uh, it, its own credibility, which, as we all know, is really under question in this moment. Uh, let's uh, encourage everyone in Pennsylvania, please get out there and vote. Virginia also has a, an election coming up for state races uh, and early voting starts on Friday. Everybody, please vote. Janae Nelson, I appreciate your positive outlook. And we will be watching all of the cases that LDF is pursuing. Janae Nelson, thank you. And coming up, Rudy Giuliani is reminded of what his support for Trump's big lie is costing him as his former lawyers slap him with a lawsuit demanding payment of more than one million dollars in unpaid legal fees. We'll be right back. I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 844-COSENTIX. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. From so-called America's mayor and one-time presidential candidate to co-conspirator number one and an indicted Georgia co-defendant, Rudy Giuliani's fall from grace is quite epic and just as embarrassing as having hair dye drip down your face during a press conference. 
Now comes the latest embarrassment. His own lawyer is suing him, claiming that Giuliani owes him about $1.4 million in unpaid legal fees. Robert Costello, who represented Giuliani from 2019 through this summer, alleges that Giuliani paid just a fraction of what he owes, with his most recent payment last week totaling only $10,000. Could it be that the Trump-hosted fundraiser earlier this month at Bedminster that Rudy had begged for did not bring in the big dollars he was hoping for? Perhaps Trump would be willing to host another down at Mar-a-Lago. Join me now is Barbara McQuaid, former U.S. attorney and professor at the University of Michigan Law School. Uh, a quick a quick note just on uh, Giuliani, Barb. Uh, he, law- he was very wealthy and made a lot of money after 9-11, you know, sort of hawking his, his, his uh, reputation. But he had a divorce from his third wife, Judy Nathan, uh, and had to pay a lot of money. He was currently unable to work as an attorney because, of course, disciplinary actions against him because of the big lie. Uh, his efforts for Trump uh, led to the suspension of his law license in New York and a, an ethics legal committee in Washington recommended he be disbarred in D.C. I could go on. He recently sold his Upper East Side apartment for six or at least he put his Upper East Side apartment in New York up for sale for six point five million dollars. The financial troubles that Giuliani has had, if his lawyer is suing him, is there a world in which no one represent him and he could end up with a public defender. And how would the lawsuit play into his needing to be in court for his own case? He, he does have to have to show to, to get a public defender. He would have to reveal all of his finances. He would have to show that he is at the level of indigency that he cannot afford to pay a lawyer to represent him in this case. It's a little bit of a sliding scale Uh, You don't have to be below the indigency level, depending on the complexity of the case and what a reasonable legal fee would be for this case. But he would have to come in and fill out a financial affidavit. I can't imagine he's willing to do that. You know, there's poor and there's I don't want to spend my money on my lawyers. And so uh, I think that he would have to show that he is in uh, the former category before he would ever get a public defender appointed for him. And yes, in a criminal case, you do have to be present. uh, So he has to show up and um, if he can make out the case, he would get a public defender. But, uh, you know, I think he has been aspiring to the gold plated defense, wanting to spend as if he has uh, limitless uh, funds. And that appears to no longer be the case. If you're um, Fannie Willis uh, at this point and you're looking at Giuliani and by the way, if he sells the place for six point five million, they ain't going to give him a public defender. They're going to be like, give six point five million dollars. You know, um, do you then look at Giuliani and say this guy might not be able to continue to defend himself, you know, financially? And do you then circle back to him and say, plead out and testify against Trump? No, I mean, I don't think that your inability to pay for a lawyer should ever be a factor in deciding whether you should exercise your right to go to trial. You know, that's why we do provide uh, lawyers for people who can't afford it. We don't ever want somebody to feel like because I can't afford a lawyer, I need to plead guilty even when I want to defend myself at trial. So mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't think she would ever play that card. I think it would probably be inappropriate for her to do so. But um, I, I, I don't know that the money is going to be an issue so much as his you know, ability to stand up in open court and say, I'm guilty, which is something that a defendant has to do if they want to enter a guilty plea. 
That's true. And he's got not just the Georgia 2020 case. I'm just putting a list here. He's got his unpaid legal fees case, potentially that lawsuit. You've got a sexual assault and harassment case. It's a pretty gross case. Uh, a $10 million lawsuit from one of his former employees suing for sexual assault, harassment, and refusing to pay her wages, and also a defamation case by Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman. So he's got a lot on his plate. Um, let, let's actually talk about another thing about Trump here. The to-do lists allegedly written by Trump on classified documents is doodling on the cover of a classified document. Is that the kind of sort of destruction of the document? Because I, I've seen in some of these other cases that, that sometimes one of the charges is destroying the documents. Does that pose a legal problem for Trump if he was writing on the documents or is that just incidental to the case? Probably not. It depends on the document. Most of the time, the document now is a digital document, and what you have is simply a printout of that document. But it does suggest additional mishandling of the document. Having it at Mar-a-Lago is is problematic. Uh, sharing it with an aide who does not have a clearance is problematic. Writing to-do lists on them uh, and <laughs> having them lying around the office is a problem. And I think the other thing that's really important about this new reporting is that this witness, this employee who received these and was horrified that she had them, turned them over to the FBI, resigned when she found out that Donald Trump was planning to not cooperate with the FBI over this. And she said that he even said to her, you didn't see any boxes. <laughs> but in fact, she absolutely <laughs> did. So I think this witness is going to be extremely helpful. I don't know that there'll be additional charges for the documents, but in terms of the obstruction aspect of this case, this will be a very important witness. If I had time, I would play it. Donald Trump's past attacks on Hillary Clinton for her handling classified documents. It is, it's like there's always a tape. Uh, I would play it if I had time. I don't. But you're absolutely right. The classified documents case seems like such a slam dunk if that judge ever lets it go to trial. We'll see if that happens. Barbara McQuaid, thank you very much. And still ahead, tensions flared Republican infighting amid a Republican infighting as the House Freedom Caucus fails to put forward an acceptable plan to avoid another government shutdown. Of course. More next. There are fewer than 12 days left to avert a potential government shutdown. And Congress is only in session for six of those days. And unfortunately for America, the House Republican Conference is currently in complete dysfunction. Today, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy once again pro proved his inability to unite his slim majority after an attempt to advance a Pentagon spending bill failed and a key procedural vote on his proposed short-term funding bill was canceled, all thanks to some of the most conservative members of his own party. That spending bill, which includes an array of restrictive immigration policies and cuts to funding for domestic programs, was supposed to be a compromise between the far right and so-called moderate Republicans to keep the government running for another month. But members like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates are threatening to blow it all up, saying it is not extreme enough. But even if Kevin were to miraculously get his whole caucus on board, which apparently is a lot to ask of the House Speaker, the bill they're working on has virtually zero chance of actually becoming law. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has already said that measure will not pass the Senate, not to mention get a signature from the president, which leaves Kevin with no, no viable plan to keep the government running come October 1st. Perfect. Joining me now is Congressman Ro Khanna, Democrat from California. Uh, here's how bad it is, Congressman. This is how embarrassing it is. A reporter from Punchbowl got a picture of the grant, the, the demands of Marge Green, and here they are. I'm going to put them up on screen. The the list of amendments Green is pushing for the um, the resolution. 
She wants none of the funds made available by this act may be used to provide assistance to Ukraine. She wants to repeal the permanent and definite appropriation for independent councils, which the DOJ is so basically defund Jack Smith. She wants to prevent funds for use for a new FBI headquarters. She wants the FBI to can't get a building. Prohibits funding for COVID-19 vaccine mandates, of course, make people die from COVID, and prevents funds from being used to enforce mask mandates, of course, make people die from COVID. So where are we going with this, man? I mean, Congressman, uh, this seems like the House is going to do absolutely nothing in the next six days. Well, Joy, you just pointed out how extreme the proposal is for Marjorie Taylor Greene, but this is pretty simple. Kevin McCarthy just has to keep his word. He made a deal with the president. This was supposed to cover the budget, and he's not keeping his word of just doing what the deal that he himself struck with the president. I mean, they weren't able to get votes today, Joy, for a budget that would have cut spending by 8 percent, and they still can't pass it amongst their uh, own uh, colleagues. It, it's just chaos. Kevin McCarthy also uh, in the no S Sherlock category, also according to Punchbowl News, he thinks opponents are just sparking a shutdown just to kick him out of the speakership. I mean, like, no kidding, man. What deal does he think? I, I sometimes wonder how he ties his shoes in the morning, how he manages to do that. Does he is he is he genuinely shocked that his inner circle and cadre of aides think that, yes, they're trying to provoke a shutdown or to push him out of the speakership? No kidding. Is he why is he the last to know that? Well, he's just going day by day to survive. There's no strategic plan. I mean, he's literally uh, trying to just hold on. The problem is this would almost be comical in reality television if it weren't as serious. I mean, for all of the Republicans rhetoric saying that people are paying too much in gas and food and rent, the Democrats actually want to do something about it. We want to provide people assistance to help make their rent easier. We want to provide them with food nutrition assistance. And the Republicans are saying, no, we don't want, we want to take that away. We want to shut down the government. It's the height of irresponsibility. It's a betrayal on everything they ran on last cycle. And, and well, is there a world, which I used to say this when, when Boehner was speaker, that why don't you, why didn't he just go over and say, I'm going to go to that lady, Speaker Pelosi, and she can get me the votes and, I, and, and, and forget y'all. Is there a world in which Kevin McCarthy figures out that he can go to Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader, get enough Democrats to vote for a spending bill and be done with it? Well, he may have to do that, but then he would have to have a joint governance agreement of the House because he would lose a lot of his members. And the Democrats are going to be united around Hakeem Jeffries, who, by the way, has done a phenomenal job in keeping our caucus united. I mean, it's a study in contrast. We have everyone from the centrists to the moderates to the progressives marching uh, under the same drumbeat on the key issues with Hakeem Jeffries and the president, and they're in disarray. So, I mean, because the thing is, at this point, Kevin McCarthy is not the Speaker of the House. Some combination of Matt Getz, Gates and Marjorie Green are the Speaker. And so I wonder for the Democratic caucus, um, what is the plan on the Democrat side? Because the Democrats cannot pass a bill in the House. They do not have the majority. But is there a backup plan? Uh, is there a backup plan that you're talking with with some Republicans on the other side, the few who are not absolutely mad, um, to actually make sure that we don't have a shutdown? Well, Joy, first, it's important to realize that Marjorie Taylor Greene is running the House. And I think most Americans realize that because her name ID is 20 percent higher than Kevin McCarthy. So they get that she's really calling the shots here. Uh, what we've been saying is that the McCarthy needs to 
keep the deal he made with the president of the United States and needs to figure out how to do that. If he can't do that with his own uh, caucus, then Hakeem Jeffries, our leader, has said that he'll talk to to, to Kevin McCarthy. But then it's got to be a a fair governance. I mean, you can't have anti-choice bills, anti-trans provisions, uh, anti-funding Ukraine provisions come up for votes in that uh, scenario. I mean, the Democrats wouldn't do that. So let's see what Kevin McCarthy does. But the Democrats are acting responsibly and Kevin needs to do that. You know, it is remarkable, I think, when you think about it, that, you know, when we are looking at potentially the shutdown of our government, what Republicans are focusing on is impeaching Joe Biden for fill in the blanks. They don't even know what for. And they're so out of touch. You know, I was with the United Auto Workers on the picket lines in Wayne, Michigan and Toledo, Ohio. You know what they're saying? They're saying we need some help. We need help with our rent. We need help with our food bills. We need help because our wages haven't kept up. The Democrats are saying we are there with a working class agenda. Just pass these bills so that we can help those working class Americans and help the president bring back manufacturing, raise wages. And all the Republicans want to do is score political points and give the keys to Marjorie Taylor. Taylor Green. It, like I said, it would be comical if it weren't sad because what, who, the, who's being hurt are the working class Americans in this country. Lord, I wish we could give some of these voters just a sense of basic embarrassment to say you should be embarrassed. If Marjorie Green is the speaker, one should be embarrassed by that. And as uh, our great senior producer, one of our senior producers, Pete said, all Kevin McCarthy ever wanted to be is somebody called former speaker Kevin McCarthy. That seems to be his only goal because he got the gavel and he ain't doing nothing with it. Congressman Rokana, thank you and good luck. We'll be right back. That's tonight's readout. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. 